Hello, welcome to More Than Just a Vet, a podcast where I explore the lives of veterinary professionals when they are not at work. I want to know, and I'm sure you too, what's behind of the surgical mask of the man or the woman who try to help our animals? What are their struggles? What are their passions? Why did they choose the veterinary profession path? Is it as glamorous and fantastic as we've seen in some TV programs? Or is there more to it? My name is Francisco Gomez. Welcome to my show. Um, hello, Luca. Um, uh, Luca is a, a veterinary surgeon. Uh, he comes from Sardinia. Um, Luca, would you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes, I. So I'm. I'm from Sardinia in Italy. Uh, I moved to UK in 2006. And uh, I met lovely Fran in. Oh, well, you uh, met me, yes. Yeah, in uh, you know, in the training for uh, um, a company that uh, that used to to take contractors for uh, meat hygiene inspectors. Uh, we did the job for a little while, which is okay. I mean, it, I don't think it was ever my uh, frame. Uh, with no offense for anybody, with no, um, you know, I, I think there is people that is very happy doing the job and that is just the right environment uh, in which they they find a, a suitable uh, place for them. It wasn't for me. I, I know because we, we met each other about 15 years ago in 2006 and uh, we've been friends uh, since and, uh, and we, we both we both end up in Aberdeen. You yeah. went in Aberdeen or you didn't go to Aberdeen? I, I went af a bit after you left, so... Oh, I see. So I was as well in Aberdeen. <laughs> and, yes, and uh, uh, did you come to the UK to do some meat hygiene inspection or was it another reason? Why did you come to the UK in the first place? So in the first place, I wanted to, to move to small animal practice because it was my interest. Um, I did try to do a couple of interviews at the time, and the general complaint that I was receiving, it was that my English wasn't fluent enough. Uh, and most of people did advise, move into the, into the country for a little while and uh, try to get another job. Any kind of job is good. And then when you speak with people regularly, you will get fluent. You're not that bad, but it's not good enough to do the day-by-day -day practice, which I personally agree, you know, on the, on the long line of the, of the story, I, I personally agree with, with what they said at the time. Um, they liked my um, professional skills, so they said to me, don't get, uh, don't get down about that, you know, we think you're a good vet, but you just need uh, to get more, uh, you know, to get the pulse of uh, of the way to work in England and it will be all right. So I did the, so I had a friend that was working already for the, for that uh, company that in, in meat hygiene and he said to me, you know, uh, try to do the, the contract. They are still looking for people. You might as well, as well get a job there. And I said, well, it's okay. So I did the, the first, I think I, I, did, I think I did about nine months in the end. Uh, yeah, because I, I moved in July then in Leeds to my first practice. 
and uh, you know I gave I, I did at some point I was really starting to feel tired about uh, about being in uh, in uh, Mitaijin um, and uh, I had the trouble as well that I couldn't get enough time off to do the interviews so thankfully to the senior of the plant where I was working I managed to get a sort of a long break between a bank holiday um, a weekend and a couple of days extra they agreed me a couple of days of uh, of leave that I had as uh, as my annual leave anyway so I did uh, a bit of a long trip from Aberdeen down to the right south and on the way I was stopping to do various interview in a weekend so you you, you actually went all around England to do interviews during that weekend. During that weekend, came yeah. From to do that. Okay. Um, so after that, so language, language skills was the, was the critical thing here, right? Yeah. And I'm guessing, you know, um, you would still meet people who, who say, I can't understand you. Your accent is, a, I mean, it's easy for me because we're both Mediterranean. Um, uh, but, um, I do still have people in my consultation room that they don't really get what I say. Is that what you, yeah, occasionally you, get, well? you get that? Occasionally you get that. Not too often, to be honest, uh, but uh, I get it now and then. And I suppose it's okay. You know, I never yeah. really... I, I'd rather have somebody being honest and saying, okay, I can't understand what you said. Can you repeat it? Or can you explain me in another way? rather than, as sometimes they do too, get out and then complain with the, with the receptionist. That can't help because it wasn't there with us, you know, so so you can't really say what I was say, telling. Uh, people probably, they, they can be a little bit um, worried in case they, they, they think they're going to be taken as racist or, or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I understand that, and I guess if we we worked in our respective countries, uh, we would have a similar problem, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, and now you're working here. Where about do you work? Where about are you in England? So I'm based in uh, Linkfield uh, because uh, essentially me and both, both me and my wife, uh, we are uh, both vets. So I did uh, a bit of uh, so-called permanent working, you know, as, as in the profession is indicated, um, for a few years, I got into a phase in which I wasn't really happy and I was pretty burned out in concomitance with uh, some change in my life. I, was, I, I became father then, but it wasn't that the problem. It was, um, you know, I did, I did, change, I did a, a choice that didn't work out well in terms of uh, selecting a practice um i i wasn't happy there so it started to build up gradually you don't realize really and all of a sudden you're pretty tired pretty pretty sad about all your life and uh, it can become very hard very hard so i understand you have like a, a like many of us have had like a, a bit of a gap of self-doubt and is this what I really want to do? Is, is that right? Uh, sort of, yes. I got, uh, I got, I, I actually, at some point I resigned from that practice and they moved to another one. 
Um, but still, there were a bit of, you know, I could feel that there was some um, lack of energy, some, you know, things weren't working as they should be, you know, should be yeah. pretty, you know, you should be pretty to go, you know, happy to go to work anyway. And uh, and there was still, still issues. So at some point I got, you know, the first month off from work, you know, even between, even between jobs, I used to get like most of the time off from one place on the Friday and starting on the Monday in the other place. You know, I never really get those situations in which, you know, I have three months notice. Okay, I add two other weeks and they get two weeks off at the time. So this I, is not from the same company. This is changing jobs from one place to another. One right. to another one, yeah. And yeah. Uh, they were they were in all independence, those ones. So there is nothing, nothing to do with the, uh, with the corporate work that now is very common. Um And uh, eventually, anyway, when I, I resigned from the, a local practice that was here, and uh, I took a month off, and uh, I wanted to see how it did work. Uh, because I wasn't, you know, I was considering various options at that point, moving to industry, maybe. Mm. For living a small animals practice, which is what you, you usually do, what you are yeah. being trained yeah. for, and exactly. what you, you are experienced with, right? Exactly. Um, considering various options, then Simona said to me, why don't you try anyway locuming? I literally was reborn when I started locuming. You know, I can't really tell in, uh, in one word how much different it to me. So, so you're, the way you get out of this, this problematic part of your life, this emotional, if you like, it was like, Getting out because your problem weren't clients was actually the job. It was the, your maybe your boss or was it the people you work with or I mean you don't have to say names or anything. But. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It could have been a combination of all the things. To be honest, I think that in in one way uh, I was probably struggling with the um, with the fact that I didn't felt probably free enough. You know, yeah. I felt bonded in one place, thing that I don't necessarily feel as a locum. You know, I've been in practice, in some practices, locuming on the same practice for seven, eight months. Yeah. So it's not that I don't stay in a place. Um, but you didn't feel free enough. Exactly. You know, with a, right? but with a locum job, if you start to feel like pressurized, <laughs> When you start yeah. to feel a, a narrow throat, you know, you say, okay, yes. I have to give you two weeks of notice. I'm off after, you know. Yeah. So it provides you with a freedom my... you couldn't have before, right? Yeah. And uh, and if I felt uh, tired or anything, I could stop and take a leave. You know, the only thing that I had, the only person I had to justify it was myself. I didn't have yeah. really to justify to anybody else. I had for, for anyone maybe. who haven't heard um, Simona, Simona being your wife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she's been, I mean, it's uh, more than 10 years now. <laughs> Let's say that at the present moment, we, we, share, we share job with Simona because obviously mm -hmm. we were trying to do it, uh, you know, before the, uh, you know, until the IR35 was our responsibility to be checked. We were doing alternating weeks 
in order that we were automatically out from that. Because if for any reason one of us was poorly, we could sub substitute each other, uh, which uh -huh. is one of, the main, yeah. Yeah, one of the main reasons that uh, already take you out from the IR35+. Plus. We had some our equipment uh, in terms of uh, tunics um, and stuff. Uh, um, so you know most of the of the boxes were ticked there for to be to be outside the IR35. Now, uh, let me stop you here. For people who don't understand this, what is ER35? So it is a, a, a legal classification, essentially, uh, that regards the way the way uh, you have to report your uh, earnings to the, uh -huh. to the revenues and customs. Um, yes. If you work, you know, it is to this. In, in theory, it is. Uh, created to distinguish people that is really on uh, occasional term contracts from people that is working into a practice on sort of long term and uh, and actually still claiming as as if it was a limited company so it is to distinguish in theory real limited company work from from people that is doing it for the uh, fiscal so it is um, to to really to try to stop a, le a legal loophole yeah, for people exactly. to say taxes illegally. Exactly. Is that right? Yes. You were already responsible to, to grant that you weren't using a loophole uh, illegally, but uh, it was your responsibility until now. From the 6th of April, is going, going to change and it's going to be the company that employs you that has to grant uh, that you are not using a loophole, and uh, potentially they can get fined in your place. So companies are now afraid of contracting locums as LTD companies. Yes, I, I, I see. So, so, uh, so what you have done is to actually share with Simona your 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 job as a as as a limited company, I guess. Yes. And that uh -huh. would, that, that, you know, I did speak with my uh, accountant and uh, with other people and all the people that I've spoken with and even, even uh, doing the online, uh, um, online tool to verify if I was in or out, I would come out of that. The problem is yes. that now a uh, big, big uh, corporation will not get involved in this at all. They say, we don't want any LTDs. So, so they, they just don't want the risk. So they rather uh, put up a blanket exactly. uh, ban on, on people who are looking for themselves, right? Yes. Which is not very useful for you. I no, guess. no, exactly. So we'll have to work out some different, uh, some different system, but I'm pretty sure that on the, on the long run, it will, it will work. Okay. Um, yeah. you know, now, they will still employ locums through umbrella companies. The only problem yes. is obviously that this way, um, it's either the locum that is going to lose money out of pocket or the price per day that is going to rise a lot. Because the umbrella company has to take a cut. Yes, exactly. Yes. And obviously. I wonder, if, um, I wonder if clients, you know, clients who come to see us, you know, with their pets, 
realize all these legal wonder things? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that they know that actually when I'm working for a day, um, I'm taking a, a fixed price and that is the minimal proportion. I mean, I don't say that is the minimal proportion of what I work because I can say that in some practice, uh, frankly, I, I've not been productive in a way that I would say amazing. I mean, I, I, as a local, unfortunately, you have no responsibility on what it is the day-by-day uh, amount of people that comes in the practice because... That's true. But I, I'm uh, guessing, you know, pe people who come to see us, they they say, or people come to see you in this, uh, in this specific um, conversation, uh, they probably think that your only worries every day are to do with um, the pet they put in front of you, you know, the dog or the cat and trying to fix them. And, and really, you have that. And on top of that, when you go home, you got to think, well, actually, I have a legal framework that doesn't actually fit where I want it to fit. Yeah, and that uh, it's, you know, it makes things a lot more complex and uh, complicated than, than people would really, really accept them for. Um, yeah, but then... And permanent employment is not really something that you like to do because you, you may feel a bit like trapped, like you yeah. said before. So, yeah. I, I, you know, it is one thing that I'm considering to, to go back to, but there is, as I said, um, you know, I've, I have spoken with some, some people that, that has offered me places now. And uh, the first thing that they say is, you know, this thing has helped me really getting out from a very difficult time. Um, yeah, I plus plus there is a little bit of sentimental things as well. I mean, this is my thing, you know. Yeah, looks and vets is mine and Simona's thing, you know. Is I don't want to yeah. to throw it in the in the in the dirt, you know. Just I would like it to stay alive, you know. If you know if I can work out something, I'll try. You know, I'll try my best. You know, I'm thinking yeah. of options. Uh, yeah. let's say you know. You um so so fifteen years ago people didn't want to give you a job, and now they're fighting for you, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't say I don't say I don't want to say you know that, uh, but I you know my my concern is not getting without a job. I mean, in one way, um, you know, we vets are considered right or wrong. You know, I feel very difficult to judge myself in these terms. Um, I, I never wanted really to judge uh, myself too much because I think it's a very uncomfortable place in one way. Uh, but we are considered anyway by by most people fairly smart guys. A little bit because obviously I suppose our job is complicated. You know, we need really to you know uh, while while a, a GP doctor will. Uh, you know, we'll get, you, you know, you get to your GP and you say, I feel poorly here, you know, I'm, I've been, you know, when, when I eat this thing, for example, then I get heartburn. If I eat that other thing, I don't get it. And you can actually relate your symptoms in a very more specific way than our patient will ever do. Uh, sometimes there is bias of communication because the, um, the client that is not the patient, obviously, reports things that uh, they they believe. You know, in all 
honesty and in all honesty, you know, they believe that that's what they are. Um, they, they believe what, what they say needs to be true, but we have that job of having to differentiate what they're saying is what they're actually telling us is, is it really what's happening? Or exactly. You know, and a lot of it, yeah. There is, it there comes is, with a pattern recognition, I guess. You know, there is a truth with a, with a capital T and various truths, you know, that are not, you know, that are, uh, it is the same thing that differentiate memories from history. You know, they are two different yeah. things. You know, history is how things have gone. Memory is yeah. how people recall them. It, it is big difference. Yes, it is. I want to ask you if you weren't, if you haven't been a vet, what would you have been? I started to say that I wanted to be a vet at six years of age, so I really don't know. I suppose. I suppose no, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. I spent so much time in uh, in creating this that uh, I don't know. I suppose probably some job involving uh, people, some like bartender or uh, into hotels, you know, something like that, you know, um, because if you, have, you know, it's a bit of a, of a thing. I mean, I like cooking as well. You know, it's another. I know you like cooking. Of my pastime. I mean, you can tell that I like cooking. I like eating too, you know, just, <laughs> I, I don't. You know, I don't hide behind things, you know, just I'm, I'm extremely honest with myself. And uh, so... It's nothing to do with physical appearance. Look, at, we're Mediterranean, we like lo- cooking, I'm we big like boned. drinking, particularly wine. I'm big boned. <laughs> it's uh, it's just the bones that, uh, that is the problem there. Uh, and I, you know, I, I enjoy, so I would probably... It's one of the things that I put... You know that I would consider as well as a as an alternative career if uh, if things should go wrong on on being a vet. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. At the end you, of the do day, you do you do you have like pets or dogs or cats or anything at the moment? At the moment, not. My my cat died in August. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. Oh, okay. Well, she was. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly her age. You know, I didn't know exactly her age. Was it a rescued uh, cat? It was a rescue cat. And uh, I got her in my first practice in Leeds, you know, and uh, um, she was brought um, pregnant by, okay. yeah, sort of ready ready to deliver, essentially. I, I want to ask you a couple of questions, and I don't know if I'm doing it for the podcast or I'm doing it for myself. One of them is I want to know, and I know, and uh, uh, please stop me if it's a sore subject, but I want to know the name of your cat and I want to know why your cat passed away. Okay, so her name is was Ginny. Mm-hmm. That is a little bit, you know, it's funny, funny. I will explain, you know, for, uh, for the... Uh, uh, for the benefit of, uh, so it comes a little bit because she was ginger. I mean, she was ginger uh-huh. and white. So uh-huh. Ginny comes from that, but as well because at that time there were um, Harry Potter books coming out and, uh, uh, you know, they, they were still, still getting edited. And so it comes from Ginny Weasley as well. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So it's a bit uh, of a combination between the two. I mean, mostly okay, because and, she was uh, ginger anyway. Yes, and 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 then what, how did she pass away? What was the reason? Was so she developed kidney failure? 
Oh, that's very common in cats when they get older, isn't it? So she was at least 14 years old. So I, at least, at least, because I had her for 13 years. So obviously, when I got her at the beginning, I was absolutely adamant that she was only, you know, only one year old, maybe, you know, and that that was the first pregnancy. But in actual terms, uh, I developed that uh, the belief the belief through the years that I mean, for a long number of years, like sort of seven, eight years, she didn't age of one day. You know, cats are <laughs> wondrous. You know, they hide age so well. You know, she was an adult when when I got her, so I know that you know teeth were an old adult teeth. They were in reasonable condition, so she must have had uh, somebody that was interested in her in one way, but she didn't have a microchip on. She stayed uh, 10 days in the practice without being claimed. Um, she gave birth in the practice to three kittens. Um, uh-huh. One of the kittens, um, you know, didn't survive very long after the birth, though, because, she, I mean, I, I always thought that there was a reason behind. I mean, that it was poorly in some way because she kept sort of, you know, leaving him aside. Uh, while she was a very good mom with the other two, she was a terrible mom with this third one. Um, so it must be something that was going on, right? Yeah, yeah. Cats tend to know those kind of things, you know, that, uh, and they tend to invest on the on the the ones that have better chance to come through, which is, you know, a sad way things in nature work, but it is a common thing that happens in nature anyway. Um, yes, I I don't feel I can judge that. To be honest, you know, it's it's very difficult anyway. Yes. Um, what have you learned from being a vet? Something do you apply to your everyday life? Is it something that because you're a vet, you do something different outside work? I'm not sure on that. It's. You think you are a different person? You, I don't know. You um. Can you feel yourself? I'm, I'm guessing both of us being foreigners, it's difficult to compare ourselves with the rest of the population. We always feel to be a bit different just because we come from, from the outside. Uh, but um, is, do you think you, um, you think differently? You think you approach situations differently just because you're aware? Well, I, I'm a bit of a peculiar, peculiar, peculiar person. So, you know, mm, do, do you think vets are peculiar anyway? Yeah, vets are peculiar anyway, but then I'm peculiar for a list of, of reasons, you know, a little bit because, for example, uh, you know, a very big, uh, piece of my background as, a, as a person comes from my experience in the scouts in Italy. I mean, uh, I, I constantly believe that I wouldn't be the same person uh, without a lot of the experience that I have done in the in, during during my life as a scout. I mean, I've been in the you know in the Ajeshi, that is the Italian Italian Scout Association. Um, so say say that again. Explain in more detail. Uh, so in in when I was in Italy, I was in the um, uh, in the scouts that uh, the association is called Ajeshi. Um, that uh, stands for uh, Association of the uh, Guides and Scouts, uh, Catholic of Italy. 
It's a, that was in Sardinia. Yes. Yes, and uh, a lot of the things that uh, that I of this experience that I have done. I mean, I've done uh, from uh, services with you know service with the uh, um, younger people that is you know that is in various phases of their development for uh, from uh, adolescence to childhood. Uh, I got some important. Uh, social work with disabled people. I have been into into work zone with the, with the scouts, uh, and I think that things that I have lived with them, you know, as forge the person that I am very strongly. And I think that I put that one into practice, and then obviously the work I see it as well through the lens of what of what it was my. Um, you know, sort of my previous self, um, or, or you know, it's very difficult. You know, I don't think, you know, I don't think I fit too much in one single box. But it is like yes. sort of jumping into different situations, in different boxes. You know, just uh, how long did you spend in the scout? Uh, so I started when I was six. And they left when it was 21. So 21, so nearly 22. Time. So 15 years. Yes. And uh, when you talk about a war zone, I mean, Italy itself hasn't been at war in the last 15 years. No, but I was, uh, I went, I went to the to Croatia to do a camp uh, of two weeks. Is this, is this during the um, breaking up of Yugoslavia or am I wrong here? It was 96 after the Balkanic War. Just after the oh. Balkanic War, ninety-six. Wow. Okay. So essentially, can you tell what what did you see? What impacted you? Or is it a bit too dark to go into there? I can, I can try to avoid the most the most difficult bits. Okay. Uh, so there were certainly some some things that were really upsetting, you know, and they are still upsetting, you know, just because I can, you know, they are still, you know, very close. I mean. Um, the area where we were, it was, um, you know, we were in a little village, short distance from Zadar, which is the capital, you know, uh, which is uh, one of the, the most important city, one of the main cities in, uh, uh, in Croatia. Um, and, uh, it was a little village. Um, it, it the area had been under, siege from the uh, Serbian army uh -huh. because essentially what happened in uh, you know their responsibility you know it's very complicated political uh, yeah well thing. don't have to go into the political reasons but yeah no but what about what actually impacted you there what do you have to do so we were working essentially with kids uh, kids that a lot of um, uh, so we were divided into two camps, two groups. So my one was actually the least bad of the two situations, you know. Um, but um, essentially, they were actually in a... Now, now, the hotel where I went to do the service is a fantastic, I think, four stars, four stars uh, hotel. It's been... Re I mean, I've see, I seen just, the, you know, the pictures because I was planning to go back and do a trip there just before 
COVID started, so I, I had to abandon the idea. Um, never mind. Um, uh, it would be still good for another time, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, I, I can see I how saw... you're avoiding, avoiding going there. Um, I, no, no, I I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, so we were working essentially with the youngsters because uh, what was happening there, it was that uh, the adults, um, you know, they were technically was over in, uh, in Croatia when, when I went there. But uh, the devastation was everywhere around. Okay, there was still war going on in uh, in Bosnia Herzegovina when when I was there. So um, it wasn't. I mean, the war was technically over, but there were still situation of extreme difficulty. Plus, for example, uh, already in the area where we were, there was great advice: don't walk outside from where is already walked. Because you might find yourself maimed. Um, you, you may find yourself what? Maimed. You know, there were uh, anti-human anti-human minds. Oh, okay. So, um, essentially, yeah. it was risky to move around. Yes. Yes. Plus, there were potentially unexploded bombs. That yes. was another thing that you move something, and all of a sudden. You get in I, I, I guess that gives you an insight of people who are very pro-war or try to actually, you know, do invasions and things like that. They don't realize that after war is over, there is, yeah, there is a lot going on. Yeah, there was as well that. I mean, Unhealthy bombs for Second World War, anyway. And um, there was a lot of a lot of uh, of things as well in people that you would see because um, I did talk with this boy that it was probably about my age at the time uh, and there was the big big uh, um, like big nas nationalistic mind you know that uh, uh, to me sounded like you know when you've been through four years of war you should actually desire peace you shouldn't yeah. really desire more division and instead there it was still the, that very harsh hate you know, that uh, for me, it was, you know, in one proportion, unbelievable. It, it was like um, still being a child and wanted vengeance. Yeah, yeah. Then oh, I understand wow. on the other end, you know, when people has come and destroyed all that you had around, you know. Um, you know, now nowadays we talk about, uh, you know, our, our children that have lost some months of school because of COVID situation. And we say, how will they ever recover? I mean, these people did lose four years of, uh, of school. They have rebuilt the country. Yeah, you know, that's, that's true. The we, we compare ourselves with them, and this is really not a comparison at all. You know, Sarajevo, Sarajevo has gone through the most harsh siege a modern city has been through. Okay. And it's, it's quite close to us, isn't it? It's actually yeah. quite close. It's in Europe. Yeah. Were you a group all from Italy or was it from other countries? Or? So the, the project was actually um, an Italian project. Uh, so um, there were a couple of, uh, of foreign groups that did take part to the, 
um, to this um, series of camp because essentially what what we would do it was each single group would go into a base for two weeks and then uh, at the end of the two weeks we would do a part of activity in common so sorry at the beginning of the two weeks and at the end of the two weeks you would do a sort of passage of of relationship with another group that was that was getting into your place so they had st- uh, all the time some people helping them for all the summer essentially uh, how, how do you help what do you do to help them give me something specific essentially we as i said we would we were mostly working with um the the child essentially like kids from uh, a sort of scholar age uh, so did, did you deliver a school or food or uh, a bit of everything to be honest food they had the food uh, so there were actually some other organization that were bringing bringing some uh, but the situation of the food it wasn't too bad yeah it was more about looking after them right yeah looking after them because the adults would be going to to the capital to get some work and to get some money i see i see uh, so um, everyone from uh, maybe 16 up but even 15 up they would go to the to the to the capital or to the biggest town nearby and work build yeah you know mostly mostly building rebuilding uh, or or clearing as i said you know there were a lot of mines still uh, so they would uh, they would uh, uh, help in clearing um, yeah i see uh, uh, do you obviously do you there was to, as well uh, no I, i was saying that I, i think this is quite an interesting part of your life that has nothing to do with being a vet which is really what i'm after in this podcast right yeah um, you know there I'm, is I'm more more than really emotional here um just to go to church ah uh, yes uh, now with okay. the, i'm not going now because of covid i understand but i would i would have i mean i was going before before the start of the pandemic so yeah. um then obviously it depends on work as well because i mean if i have a rota to do on a sunday you know it's it's a rot on a sunday you know you just you don't give up yeah. because of of uh, um because of of um, religion i mean i maybe i'm a bad christian you know i don't know <laughs> I, i'm not suggesting that i mean i, I am a, a bad christian i was pro- because i'm spanish as well and spanish religion is again christianity mostly and mostly catholic uh, and i was pro as a catholic as well by by my mother especially um but i am a bad christian because i, I don't go to church i just don't I, um I, i don't know if there is a god or not but it's it's not a, a a question i i keep asking myself anymore if there is one i hope it's doing the right thing yeah i might consider you know i i live my I'm I'm a bit a bit uh you know I'm you know I would probably been born some somewhere in the medieval times if if I was uh if I was around at the time so but anyway I'm I, you know I'm very close to the believing of uh, Giordano Bruno that was you know 
burn on the stake anyway in medieval times. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the world is so uh, majestic, magnificent, that some creator must be behind it, you know, it's not you, possible. I don't think you mean the world, you probably mean the universe. Yeah, the universe and things, you know, they, they yeah. you know. It's, it's, it's the, the whole thing is too perfect. Yeah. to be happening by chance. Is that what you mean? Yes. So I kind of agree I kind of agree with you. I kind of agree with you, which is very difficult to uh, to match that with having a scientific mind because you tend to try to rule out um something that happened by coincidence. You're always trying to find a reason, but how can you find a reason for the universe, right? Yeah. And there is always I mean my my thing is as well, you know, as a person, I'm altruistic, empathetic, you know, even even when sometimes, you know, um, that's that's as well another reason why I prefer to be a locum because anyway, I'd say, you know, I'm not doing it for myself. It is something that is not my money that we are talking here. It's the money of somebody else. So I cannot um, do a discount. I cannot, you know, I need to charge us as it's appropriate, talk with the management. It's not, whatever the client is paying, it's nothing to do with you. You don't yeah. have any say on that money and you feel happier that way. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, because uh, I, I, you know, my, I experience, my experience as a businessman, it wasn't good in that sense. You know, just, uh, I, did, I did work in... You probably give everything for free. <laughs> you know, uh, in Italy, I was working on, on my own, you know, as a, as a you know, in my own business, let's say, and uh, you know, I came over uh, with a lot of credit unclaimed, and uh, uh, you know, you may remember that when I came over, uh, there was not a lot of money around. You know, so did you bankrupt yourself on purpose? Is that right? No, not on purpose, but let's say that uh, <laughs> it was coincidental. You know, just uh, uh, I I struggle to say no to people. You know, just uh, I I'll, I'll, I. I you, you talk to, to, to me about, about work and struggling, struggling through your work life. Um, but something, something I wanted to, to do the, this podcast for was to actually share with people what vets are outside, um, outside practice. What do, do they do? You sent me an email and you said that you create fantasy worlds. What, what do you mean? What, what, what is that? So essentially, you know, I joined a creative community online uh, where there is, uh, you know, that there is these people that that um, has put a, a sort of WordPress uh, for preformatted kind of page in which you can do articles in which you explain what is the life in your fantasy world. Essentially, uh -huh. like it is for writers. Um, I used to play uh, role-play games with friends, so uh, essentially um, I have created. It is a sort of location where my retired characters, you know, the, the char I don't play any longer because I don't have enough people to play with. Um, but my retired characters live in this world that uh, I named Faldoria, and uh, it is. Uh, you know, it is just creating and then you create all the things around that, you know, all the, you know, because obviously. It's online. It's a, 
people have access to it. Or... Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is oh, online. It is online, obviously. I don't... How can I access that? How does he have like um, an, a name, like a website? Or... Yeah, the website is called Wordanvil. Uh-huh. Wordanvil.com. And obviously, you can do, you know, there are various kinds of subscription that give you different level of, of, uh, um, uh, of customization of your pages, let's say. Uh-huh. And uh, there is one that is free. So you can, you have obviously very limited space and, uh, and very limited uh, chance to customize the page. Uh, but um, um, it, is, it is possible to do for, for people that want to, you know, I started as a, it's called free, free men. And then, and then I moved to the, you know, to buy a, a bigger subscription because I was happy with what is, it was coming out. I mean, uh-huh. it's, um, you know, for me, it's not really something that I, you know, there is obviously people that is very good in the community that does it as a job, like people that has, uh, um, you know, that is uh, a creative writer, you know, a, a, an artist in one way. So. Yeah, so- for me, it's just a pastime. And it is a beautiful pastime. Absolutely, Luca. And um, thank you for sharing your hobby with us. And, and thank you for coming into the show. And that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And I hope it gave you a little bit more understanding of who veterinary professionals are uh, behind the scenes. Also, if you are involved in the veterinary profession and want to be interviewed in the show, Visit the podcast uh, website, morethanjustabet.net, and fill the form in the contact section. Tell me a little bit about you in the message, including your hobbies, and why do you want to take part. Hasta la próxima!